0: We are continuing our series called What If. And this has been an exciting one for me. Last week we talked about uh, what it would be like. It would make no sense for us to have a Ferrari and only drive at 35 miles an hour, right? Can we all agree that's silly? That's just a waste of time and money and all that kind of good stuff. Can you agree that it's really, truly silly? We wouldn't do that. We would not do that kind of thing. So why would we have that kind of missed potential in our life? The question is, and we talked about all last week, how do we go all in? How do we go all in? we got we dug down a little bit deeper in that and the different areas of your life and how you go all in for the gospel. And I want to dig down even a little deeper today in one particular area that we talked about, and that's prayer in our prayer life. You see, God wants us to pray about every single thing that we have in our lives. <laughs> But here is the struggle. We, we, we sort of go back and forth. Some people, prayer is really easy, right? And if, if prayer is really easy for you, you know, I probably need to sit at your feet a little bit. But for many of us, we struggle with prayer. And sometimes we feel like, well, this is too small to pray about. Does God really want to hear about this small issue in my life? And then on the opposite end, things that are, are bigger, things that are that, that seem almost impossible, we think, well, this is the real world, guys. And that's not going to happen, but God tells us over and over and over again, he shows us in this word that he wants to hear from us about everything, to pray about everything. And then he talks about a passage in particular we're going to talk about today is that he wants us to pray about those small things, but also these big, massive, gigantic things God wants us to pray about. When I was a kid, I remember uh, you know growing up in the country, I'd ride around with my mom, and I would look and I would see birds on power lines you guys ever pay attention to that it doesn't maybe it's a country thing it seemed like it was a whole lot more prevalent i see it now but there'd be birds on power lines and i was a real little kid and i was just amazed by that And I mean you go know, sometimes you see like 50 or 100 birds on a power line and i would always ask my mom mom what are they going up there and my mom i found out now was evidently a pathological liar and she told me that they were in school if it was a weekday. And if it was on a Sunday, she'd say they're in church. That's me for life. <laughs> but then as I got a little bit older, I started thinking about another layer of those birds being on the power line. I started understanding, okay, that's electricity that's running through those power lines. And my first thing was why aren't they just like exploding into little chicken nuggets because they're yeah. sitting on the power line <laughs> and just deep fry real quick you know i, I didn't understand that but did I, I'm, and i'm not i'm not an electrician by any stretch so don't ask me to come wire your house or anything like that. that's not what i'm doing here but i began to understand a little bit more about electricity and i realized that those birds could be on the line with those thousands and thousands of volts of electricity surging right underneath their little tiny bird claws or whatever you call those things and they wouldn't die because they were not grounded. They weren't connected to the ground. They were just touching that wire. But if they had somehow been connected to the ground or something that the ground was touching, that electricity would then flow through them. And then everybody would be driving along and picking up little chicken nuggets on the side of the road, right? That's weird. You know, I don't know. That's, that's the way my brain works. But the, the point is this, you and I are. Lot like those little birds sitting on the power line sometimes. Here we are going about our daily life, maybe in work, maybe in school, maybe in church, uh, maybe sitting at home, and we have this amazing, tremendous, explosive power that is literally coursing right under and around our bodies, and for a Christian, in our bodies, and yet we don't tap into it. Why? I think the same reason. We're not grounded in the truth of God's word. We don't realize the power that is at our disposal through the power of the Holy Spirit. Because if you have been covered in the blood of Jesus, you've surrendered your life to him, then you have the Holy Spirit. When you were baptized into Christ, it says you repent and you're baptized for the forgiveness of sins and you receive the Holy Spirit. And so a Christian has the Holy Spirit in their lives. And why, though, doesn't our lives look like we have this amazing power? coursing through our bodies why does it look like that we have the living god living inside of us i think maybe it's because we're often not grounded in god's word the way we're supposed to we seldom tap in i believe to what god is willing to do through us and in us and so the apostle paul in his letter to the church at ephesus And he was writing to those Christians first and foremost, but I believe he also could be writing to us here. And he says, and he explained in these verses, beginning in Ephesians chapter 3. If you've got a Bible, you can turn there. Ephesians 3, beginning in verse 8. Our scripture is going to be on the screen as well, or look on your phone uh, or tablet or something like that. Ephesians chapter 3, beginning in verse 8. Paul writes these words to the church at Ephesus. And I believe you and I need to listen as well. He says, although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles, the boundless riches of Christ to preach to the Gentiles, the boundless riches of Christ. He says, this was my gift. This was my grace to be able to tell people that Jesus loves them. And as he's writing to a church that's made up of Jewish people and now some Gentiles. A lot of times these Jewish people believe, okay, we know that we're the people of God for centuries, but we do know that God cannot love those Gentiles. And some of them are still struggling with it. And so he says, my joy, my grace, my gift is that I get to preach that God loves everybody. Everybody. And so that's what he's saying there in those verses. Verse 9. And to make plain to everyone, The administration of this mystery for which ages past was kept hidden in God who created all things. He's saying everybody. Jesus came for everybody. Say everybody. 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 Jesus came for everybody. That is his grace, his gift to be able to share that. Skip down to verse 12. It says in him and through faith in him. We may approach God with freedom and confidence. That, too, was a new idea that Paul was able to share. He was able to share the truth that we can approach the throne of grace with confidence and, you know, with no fear. And you have to keep in mind the context here of who he was writing to, these people. The, the Jews were the only ones that had a, an idea of the one true living God. The Gentiles had all these other gods. And, and on the Gentile level, the Gentiles believed that if you weren't careful, that a god might come down and, and steal your wife. You know? Or, or do something, or, or destroy everything you had. And, and so they had this strange relationships where basically they just didn't want to anger the gods. But the Jews had another relationship with the one true living God, and they still didn't feel like they could enter into his presence with confidence. Because we see in Scripture that only one person, the high priest, entered into the presence of God one time a year, and that was trembling in fear. And he was the appointed one to go between God and people, but yet he only could do it one time a year, and he was terrified they have all sorts of history and tradition that talk about their tying ropes around his ankle as he went in so that way if he died in the presence of the Lord they could drag his body out because they couldn't go in and even get the body. They talked about that they would put bells sometimes in the hem of his garment so you could hear moving or not moving and all these different things. They did not understand the idea of entering into God's presence with confidence and with joy even. But Paul says this is my joy, this is my grace that I get to tell people That we have this God, this creator God, who loves us so much, he opened the way for us. Skip down to verse 14, if you would. He says, for this reason, taking all these ideas into mind. For this reason, I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you Church, can I tell you something? I don't believe that most of the time that I think about the love of God in those kind of terms. How can I be thinking about the love of God in those kind of terms and then yet think, well, if I do anything wrong, then God's just waiting to destroy me and just to thump me out of His presence and His kingdom. You know, Yes, we see that repentance is a huge part of being a Christian and that we need to have a change in our mind that leads to a change in our action. And we need to strive for holiness. And that is a process that goes for our entire lives. But God loves us so much that he sacrificed his son to do something for us that we could not do for ourselves. And that kind of love is something that you and I need to be dwelling on and thinking on and praying on and talking about day in and day out. And you and I need to dig into God's Word over and over until it gets through our thick skulls. We have got to understand this great love that He has, how high and deep and long and wide it is. This love that surpasses knowledge, something that we will never truly be able to wrap our minds completely around. But chase after it with all your heart to understand it, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now look at verse 20. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. So he closes out this whole section, this whole challenge. He's saying, I wish that we could understand the love of God and how big it is and who it's for. You know, we say this a lot here, Ruben, that, you know, the love of God is for people who look different than you, that think different than you, that vote different than you. It's for all of us. Because none of us deserve it. But he gives it freely. And so why would we be the gatekeeper? Why would we be the wall that keeps other people from knowing about the goodness and the love of God? And so he closes this section that we're we're looking at this morning saying, Now to him who loves more than anybody can understand, who loves everybody, even if they don't deserve it, which is everybody, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, According to His power, it is at work within us to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus. So my question is this: Why don't we pray bigger? Why don't I pray bigger? Why don't we as a church, as individuals that make up the church, why don't we pray bigger? Now, I know I've summed it up many times, but I want to sum up this passage really quickly like this. When you know the greatness of God's love, then sharing that love becomes a priority. Look at that again. When you know the greatness of God's love, then sharing that love becomes priority. Then kingdom prayers are praying. Because what I believe, and and this is something I'm trying to wrap my mind around, not just in a theory, not just in a thought, but in a very real and practical way, is that when I begin to understand the greatness of God's love and who it's for and what it can do, then sharing that love becomes the main priority in my life. If I'm struggling with sharing that love, that means I don't understand the greatness of the love. There's no way to get around that. There's no way to get around that. I cannot claim to be a follower of Jesus and yet not be willing to share my faith. If if I, if I do that, I don't understand it. I don't understand how, how big it is, how wide it is, how high and deep it is. But when we understand that, we share his love. And that's our priority. And then kingdom prayers are prayed. Because once you understand that that's what you're called to do is share it, you realize that you're in over your head. And it's going to take God moving in ways that you never imagined, but he can because it seems crazy that we should carry the gospel to the whole world and we cannot do it on our own. But God can literally flip upside down anybody and anything when we lay it at his feet and when the, the people of God pray. So what if we prayed bigger? What if we prayed bigger? How big are your prayers? Personally. Think about that. How big are your prayers? We pray things like, keep me safe. While he says, come to me on the water. I mean, one of our greatest things, and I've been just as guilty of it as the next person over this past year, but we pray about safety more than we pray about people going to heaven and hell. Shame on us for being worried about personal safety when people are dying and going to hell We pray keep me safe while he says come to me on the water. We pray for smooth bridges while God says wait while I part the sea You know, he calls us to challenging things if we follow him We pray prayers to survive while God urges us to pray prayers to thrive not just make it by, but to thrive, his, his kingdom to thrive. You know, when we understand dynamite power, it's funny if, uh, if you're here in Nightdale and you're part of the Nightdale Facebook group, you know that every day somebody says, what was that loud boom? Up to 40 times a day. And then it's just a running joke with a lot of people. So sometimes when people ask and they're joking, but a lot of people are real serious. What was that? Boom, I grew up in the country. Rednecks are blowing up stuff all the time. I'm just like, okay, it's Tuesday, you know? And so I don't even flinch. But people are freaking out. They hear what they think is a gunshot or a boom, and they're all like, what's that boom? And dynamite is a big deal. Um, I've shared this before, but I'll share it again. Uh, One of my first times down in Mexico on a mission trip uh, to work with the to Mexico many years ago, we were there, and, and all of a sudden we're going about our business, getting settled in, and we hear this boom, this loud thing just shakes the whole, I mean, this is a concrete building, and it shakes everything, and we start hearing them over and over, and we're like, what is going on? Are we under attack? You know, I mean, we didn't know what was going on. Well, come to find out, that was the fireworks ministry. The fireworks ministry, and people go around, and they took what was basically the equivalent in gunpowder of a quarter of a stick of dynamite, wrapped in Walmart-like store receipts, and then they sell them, and you blow those things up in the air, and it wards off the evil spirits. Fireworks ministry. Think about starting one here. It will be on Facebook in the neighborhood group. I know. But, and so, of course, the way my brain works, you know, even if you just met me, you have got a little glimpse of how it works. Um, the very next thing I said was, "How can we get some? Because we have to ward off some evil spirits." <laughs> okay, and so before we left, the guy who was leading our group, he got us a bunch of those things, and man, we were having a blast. We like, we put one under a 55-gallon steel drum and lit it, and took off the course like you know the devil was chasing himself. And so, and the thing, it literally raised a 55-gallon drum off the ground like a rocket. It was, boom. It was the coolest thing ever. Really. <laughs> yeah, just, I don't know if y'all remember Beavis and Butthead. Yeah. That's what we were looking like. That's, I'm talking about a lot of old stuff these past couple years. Wu-Tang Clan, Beavis and Butthead, all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Don't listen to it, kids. No. Um, but we were just so excited. We were blowing up all kinds of stuff. We put one under a little bucket and it left a crater. But man, I'm telling you, dynamite is powerful. But do you know something? When the words that are written there in Scripture, in Ephesians chapter 3 and in verse 20, there's a phrase that says, depending on your translation, it says something to the effect of, God, who is able? And then it says a little bit later, the word power, if it's in most translations. Both of these words are variants of a Greek word dunamis. And guess what? That word, if you see it written out, at least transliterated, you know what it looks like? Dynamite. And it's where we get our, where we get the word in English dynamite. And so when it says in scripture in Ephesians chapter three, it says God who is able, that phrase there is the word where we draw dynamite from. And it says that his power is working in us and through us. That's the word dynamite. I'm talking there's power in Jesus. There's power in his Holy Spirit, but my life doesn't look like dynamite too much. Because I don't understand the love of God. And therefore, I don't have that as my first priority. And then therefore, my prayers don't follow suit in looking and asking God to bring about his powerful hand in my life and in the lives of people I'm around. So we have to paraphrase it like this. God, who has dynamite power, and that dynamite power is at work in us. God has dynamite power, and it is not hiding up in heaven, unable to be reached by human minds, hearts, hands, and eyes. It is the power that dwells within us through the Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is what lives in you as a Christian. Amen. And it may not only show up in physical manifestations of power, but it ultimately can and will always show up in the power of a changed life. And that's what we need to be striving for first and foremost. And so if you want God to use his dynamite power in you and through you, you got to start asking for it. And you just got to start trusting that he's going to do it. And if we're not, we're just scratching the surface. We're just scratching the surface. It also uses a phrase there in this, this passage. It says, He's able to do immeasurably more, immeasurably more. That sounds like a lot, but in English, it's a little bit bland. In the Greek, it's actually a superlative of superlatives. You guys remember in high school when, you know, for the yearbook, they said most likely to, you know, get in trouble or whatever, best looking or all that sort of stuff. You know, it's a superlative of superlatives. You want to build something up, well, then this is exponentially bigger. Think about this if you want to understand just how much more God can do than what we ask or imagine, immeasurably more. Think about the national debt. That's a big number, right? Into trillions and trillions and trillions and trillions and trillions. Then add that to a power of 10, and you just start to scratch the surface of God's power. Mm. You know, when when he writes immeasurably more, that God is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to the power that He has that's in us. He's not saying um, it's like a nine volt battery. He's not saying that it's like you know, you know, the two twenty plug in your house. He's not saying anything like this. He's saying that it is this, it exponentially more than anything you can think is the power that God has to raise from the dead his son Jesus that was crucified on the cross and to change lives from the inside out. So put it in the context of what Paul is saying here and I believe you can understand it like this if you can think it or dream it, God can do it and more. If you can think it or dream it, God can do it and more. So what are we waiting for? Why am I stuck in neutral? Why are you sometimes stuck in neutral? Why don't we tap into, if we're not, and and some of you are, but why don't we tap into the power of God in the way that is described in Scripture? Instead of using that power in only a small, finite, few temporary things, why not let it explode into to big, amazing, eternal things? It's like you find on that magic lamp that we read about in the stories and watch in the movie like Aladdin. And you use your wish to get out of a parking ticket. Think about that. How dumb would that be? You know, my first thought is always, which the gene said is a no-no, is ask for what? More, More wishes. That's right, but you can't do that. But what if we found this magic lamp that granted wishes and our first wish was, I really want to get out of that $25 parking ticket." it. It doesn't make any sense. Or, you know, rub the lamp, help me find the $20 I lost. It doesn't make any sense. But that's what we're doing sort of spiritually when we use the power of God to only pray about small things. Now, I'm saying pray about them. Do you hear me? Okay. I'm saying pray about them. Pray about all things. But don't stop there. Ask God to do more than we ask or imagine, more than we could even conceive. There are so many people that need to know Jesus. There are so many people that need to know Jesus, and we can't simply ask them to only come to us. We have to go to them as well. And some of that going is going to take some of that God-sized asking and prayer for him to show up, his great power in great ways. So, what can God do through you and in you to bring glory to Him in or through the church? That's the question I want you guys to ask. And God help me answer. What can God do through you and in you to bring glory to him and through the church? Something that we talk about quite a bit in movement, and, and we honestly haven't talked about it a little bit, so I'm going to bring it back into your thoughts. Some of you it's the first idea, the first time you thought about it. For many of you, you've heard about it for years. But if you're praying for your one, for us, your one is one person that you want to focus your mind and your heart and your efforts on coming to Jesus. But if you're praying for your one, why not make it five? Start targeting five people that you're going to pray for that you want to see them come to Jesus through you with God's power. But you know what? If the measurably more dynamite power is at our disposal is five really enough? You know, but... Pray bigger than you've been praying before. If you pray for our church to grow, why not ask Him to double? It? Why not ask Him to double it and then double it again? Because the world needs Jesus, and we need more disciples to go out and make more disciples. So let's pray—not just pray that our church will grow by five or ten or fifteen or, or twenty people, but double and then double and then double, so that people can come to know Jesus by the thousands. If you prayed about a ministry that you are a part of here at movement or, or just in your daily general life to reach people, why not ask God to help you reach thousands of people? And if, I know if you're like me, there's probably little eh, 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 little buzzers going off in your head and say, Yeah, but let's be practical, Bobby. Let's be realistic. Kill realistic! Come on. If it's for God's glory, if it's for His kingdom, mm-hmm. then God is able. That's right, that's right. Forget realistic. If God is in it, and He is able, His power is greater than anything we can fathom, immeasurably more. A superlative of superlatives that we can ask for, imagine. If you pray for God to get you out of your comfort zone before, that's something we encourage each other to do from time to time. Why not ask him to demolish your comfort zones so our area, our neighborhoods can be saved? Because I know many times when I pray God help me get out of my comfort zone, it's like here's my comfort zone. I'm going to undo the zipper. I'm going to step out. And I'm going to go out here for a little bit, but I'm going to stay within arms reaching my comfort zone. Because yeah. so i got to get back in, right? You pull it up. But that's the way we treat it. But let's ask God to destroy our comfort zones. Because our comfort zones are probably keeping people from Jesus. Yes, sir. And man, I, I don't say this as somebody who's got it all figured out. But I say this as somebody who's sick of the status quo in my life. And I want, to, I want people to challenge me and encourage me. And I know you want the same thing. So let's pray that God will make big things happen through us and in us. If you pray for movement to have a building, why not pray for God to give us a place to launch ministry, to change entire towns and cities and regions, not just for a place to have church, but for a place to launch ministry that changes lives. Just like I said a moment ago, there are chances that some of you in here are hearing little voices in your head that say something like, you know, that sounds good, but let's just be realistic. Let's not get crazy. Things like that just don't happen now. Why? Has God changed or have his people changed? Has God changed or have his people, we, the church, changed? First, start by asking God to open your mind to his great love. How wide and deep and high it is and who it's for. Pray that prayer that, that Paul talks about there. Is that you'd understand how wide and high and deep the love of God is. And the mystery, that he, the joy that he is to proclaim the gospel to everybody. That it's for everyone. And then ask that you would be strengthened in his spirit. And that your, strength, your spirit would be strengthened. Ask that you would be rooted and established in love. Because if you're going to be able to go along and hold on for the ride of dynamite power when God answers your prayers. Then you better be rooted and grounded in his love and his truth. So what we pray for. It's for His glory and not yours. Because the moment we start to think about God answering prayers, unfortunately, a lot of times it just simply goes to helping us. We've got to make sure that we're rooted and grounded in the truth of God's Word so it's for His glory and not ours. We also need to ask God to expand our faith for what's possible through Him. Because I am the limit, I am the ceiling on so many of my prayers of faith. Because I want to limit what God can do when nothing can limit what God can do. You know, I'm going to ask for it to be in the will of God. And that's biblical Jesus himself even prayed that. I'm going to ask that, but I'm going to say, God, if it's your will, you can do this. You can, do, you can blow the roof off of any limitation that I have. There can be people coming by thousands to know Jesus through the efforts of me and my family here at, at Movement Church and the churches around us. Then dream and ask and pray. Dream and ask and pray. God, what can I let you do through me and in me? How can I be the vessel, your hands and feet, to answer these prayers that I need to be asking? And then get to work. Then get to work. Because yes, God is able, but did you notice what the passage says? He is able to do immeasurably more through the power that's at work in us. It will not happen outside of us, so to speak, in the sense of we, the church, can't be involved. We have to be involved. We have to put ourselves in those places. That's why we have to ask God to destroy our comfort zones. To put ourselves out there so that when God is ready to to let the power loose that we're there in the spot where the power can target what it's supposed to target. So what can be accomplished in you and through you if you pray kingdom prayers that only God can accomplish? Anything. Anything. This morning I want us to do something I don't want to just simply talk about it. I don't want to be about it. So, I want to, for the next few moments, I want to ask you to pray. To pray. And pray some of those things we talked about, about, you know, asking God to just sort of blow the roof off of your expectations and your limitations and ask God to open your mind to his great love if that's what's keeping you from doing that because you don't understand his love so therefore it's not your priority and therefore you don't pray kingdom prayers ask God to start there to show his love to you for you to understand that how real and wide and high and deep it is and then maybe ask God to Pray that you be strengthened in your spirit so you can be rooted and grounded. You can be ready for what he's going to do through you and in you. And ask God to expand your faith. And maybe if you're ready right now to pray those prayers, just start praying those prayers in these next few moments. God, do this. Do that. But whatever it is, do it in your power, not mine. Do it in me and through me. So we're going to give you a few moments to pray. I'm telling you, if you need to get on your knees, you do that. If you need to get on your face, you do that. Ask God to do immeasurably more than all we ask for measure because our God has not changed. Even if maybe we forgot when we changed a little bit. Now. Today's the day that we can change that too by the grace of God. So let's take a few moments and pray. I'll come back and I'll close this out for them, God, more of you and less of us. God, I pray that you would blow the roof off of our limitations and our shallow expectations. And I pray, Father, that you would help us to understand in a real and a powerful way how wide and high and deep and long is the love that you have for us for every single person and that we would stop, stop being the limit on who gets to know about the good, the good news, the gospel of Jesus. I pray, Father, that because of that, that our minds and our hearts will be awakened to all that you want to do through us and in us, and that we would pray about the small things in life, and we pray about our illnesses, and we pray about our worries and our fears, but we wouldn't just stop there, but we would pray about huge, amazing, massive kingdom things that only you can show up and do through us and in us. Lord, I pray that we as a people, God, would just be completely humbled and just lay ourselves out at your feet, empty everything that is not of you from us, God, and help us to be vessels for your mercy and your grace and your glory and honor. And God, I can't wait to see you. and I say thank you right now for the prayers that you're answering, of the prayers that are being offered as we speak and the way that you're setting into an emotion and the way that From eternity past, you have known us and you have loved us. And I pray, Father, that we would have our eyes open to see the angel armies that are around us, the, the answers to the prayers that are already coming, and that we will see people by the hundreds and the thousands surrender. Surrender their lives to your son, Jesus. And the destinies and eternities... And family trees will be changed. God, that this world would not be a place that looks so far from heaven but it will truly look like what it's supposed to be, heaven on earth. Father, we long for your coming. but until then, God, help us to be yours completely and wholly. And to pray the kind of prayers that invite you to do things more than we could ever dream or imagine. We love you, Father. Hold of these things. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. If you need somebody to pray with you today, I know you've got burdens because I got burdens too. Maybe that's what you need to start with because you need somebody to be with you and help God maybe you can give those burdens to God and lift others, and then you can start praying to do other things. Or maybe there's just someone in your heart you want to pray with. Maybe your relationship with Jesus is not where it needs to be and you need to come back to him, or maybe you need to take that first step and surrender your life to him. We'd love to talk with you about that too. But trust and know that God can do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. The standless seat again.